1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we pick it up this morning, and let's go before the Lord, and we'll start in verse 1. Father, again, we thank you this morning for your love and for your goodness, Lord, for all that you continue to do in and through our lives, Lord. We pray this morning that you would just uh, open our ears and our eyes that we might see you and be drawn closer to you, Father. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would just uh, speak into our hearts that we might continue to hear and heed and grow and um, continue to uh, follow the all that you've called us to de- do and be and uh, be a part of, Father. Lord, we ask that you would just continue to work in our hearts. And Lord, we also do ask again as, you know, wars uh, raging on in Eastern Europe there and um, Father... Uh, you know, we just hear little snippets of what's going on there. And Lord, we do pray that you would just do a great work through the believers there, that you would use them in a powerful way to minister to the hurting people, whether they're in Romania or Poland or left behind in Ukraine or any other any other uh, places. Lord, we ask that you would just minister to their hearts and draw them to you, Lord. And Lord, we know that wars are going to come and they're going to get worse, Father. And we just pray that we would just... Uh, continue to draw closer to you as well as the day you uh, come for your church is drawing near, Lord. So help us to keep our eyes on you as well, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, as we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and um, remember last time we were in chapter 2, we were introduced to uh, two classes of people, of mankind, uh, the natural man and the spiritual man. Now, I, I have no problem um, using mankind and natural man and spiritual man, <laughs> because not because I'm a man, but I, I just think the whole thing is ridiculous that I have to be inclusive. It's been a word we used for what, thousand years? <laughs> we understand it's talking about everybody. So, uh, you know, I, I make no apologies for that. I, it's not, I'm trying to say it's, it's only applies to men. It applies to everybody. But there was two classes of people, right? The mankind that are, are acting uh, in the natural, you know, it's just living everyday life, right? That it's just, uh, you know, whatever you feel, you do, whatever you think, you know, what, how you act, what you say. It's just all based on how you feel or what you think or uh, the circumstances you're in. You just live life um, the way you live life. And, you know, bing, bang all over the place here and there or whatever you might be at any particular time or day and you feel like doing or not doing. And, and again, just, just the way we know most people live. And then there's the spiritual man who is has their eyes and their thinking and their heart open to the things of the Lord, and they, th- and they think along those lines, and what the Bible teaches, what, what God says, uh, what is, you know, uh, what the Holy Spirit speaks into our hearts and lives has significance and meaning and purpose and great importance. And um, so we, we're introduced to those two kinds of people. Now, of course, I think we're all pretty much aware of that. It's pretty simple. But the problem was, uh, as we'll see here in chapter 3, is that he's going to make a further dis- division among believers. There's going to be these carnal Christians, or worldly, as some of the newer translations put the word carnal, um, and the spiritual Christians. Um, again, so now uh, we know there's two different types of people, um, you know, some that have and have nots maybe 
the spiritual and unspiritual. But now we have that within the body of Christ, those that you know, still have those worldly tendencies and lit, tend to live in that whole area. Now, not 100% of the time, because then they wouldn't be believers. But, then, and, but you have a comparison to those that want to do what the Lord says, that it's important to them, that it's a, a part of their life, and they realize that takes priority and preeminence above everything. And then he's going to make that distinction here, um, you know, of those, how we live our lives and our Christian service as well. And so that's just important to see. Um, again, remember, as we'll get into carnal, it's just uh, we're talking about worldly. <laughs> somebody, somebody tried to take the word carnal and make it into a Spanish. Uh, uh, I've heard that a few times and read it a few times. Uh, you know, carne, like carne asada, like meat. It's, it's not even close to that, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's, the idea is worldly. Uh, uh, it's just that your thinking is worldly, and that's what you, you, uh, you live by. And there's, he's going to make some important distinctions as we talk about that in chapter 3. And again, let's read the first couple of verses here. Verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. So it's very important. I think this is a this is an important statement to understand because it's it's a pretty heavy and strong statement. The people in the Corinthian church, he's called them in verse one what brethren, but. They weren't spiritual people, as he said here. So we, we can see there is a place for a person who is a believer or a brethren or accepted Christ as their Savior, and from what we read here is going to heaven and yet um, not walking spiritually. They're walking according to the natural. Now, I don't believe it's all the time and it's 100% of the time or else they wouldn't be believers, they wouldn't be part of the body of Christ. A Christian can live in this carnality um, or being controlled more or less by their natural appetites, you know, how they live, how they act, what they say, doing what everybody else does. And, and, and But not 100% of the time, Russ, I, I think you could clearly say they weren't believers at all. They have to have some, uh, at some point, some place where they are... Um, you know, hear the voice of the Lord or have some connection to the Lord or he has some influence or else you would just be, uh, you wouldn't be at all be considered brethren. It's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of hard to, it's just like, you know, I guess for lack of a better description, you know, being on edge. It's like you have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ or you have, you know, one foot on the line and the other foot completely in the world, you know. Um, the natural appetites tend to, to um, control almost everything you do. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a place, it's a very dangerous place. It's not a very good place for, um, for a person to be. As a matter of fact, I like this quote that somebody said about this. Worldliness is, a, uh, to define carnality, worldliness or, is a preoccupation with ease and affluence. It elevates creature comfort to the point of idolatry. Large salaries and comfortable lifestyles become necessities of life. 
Worldliness is seeing people who live hedonistic lives and spend too much money on themselves and wanting to be like them. But more importantly, worldliness is simply pride and selfishness in disguises. Worldliness is harboring grudges, nursing grievances, and wallowing in self-pity. These are the ways in which we are most like the world. So I, I think that's just a great description of what Paul is saying are what some of the people in the Corinthian church are like. They're, they're, they're like that way. Now he's going to give an example and talk about again why, what, what makes them like that, or there are some pictures of that. But again, it's just um, that worldliness can just kind of take over a, uh, you know, a, 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 someone that's confessed and, and, and received Jesus, and then, but it doesn't really have any influence in their life. Um, and, and, they, and they just start thinking like everybody else. I, I, I was reading somewhere in the news, newspaper the other day about the good old uh, Kardashians. I, I think that's, the, that's like the premier... Um, I never seen it. Well, I think I watched five minutes of it just to see what it looked like, just to see what they did. And they're like sitting around a table talking about stuff. I just couldn't take it personally. After about five minutes, I go, this is, how can anybody care what this person has to say about what they had for lunch or something? I, I don't know. It was just kind of ridiculous. But they, this is the 20th season. This thing has been on for 20, I had no idea. It had been on for 20 seasons. And, uh, you know, it's like that. It's like, you know, people, you know, that look at this and, and watch this and look at their lifestyles and then they just want to be a part of that and, you know, go to the places they go and have the plastic surgery that they have or whatever. I imagine the plastic surgeons are crying now that these guys are going to be off uh, air because I bet you they boosted plastic surgery by about a million percent. <laughs> because nobody can look that way, right? You, you have to have all kinds of, anyway... But that's, that, I think that's kind of the epitome of the lifestyle of what people think, you know, if I just lived like them somehow or had what they had, you know, rich, beautiful, and blah, 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 you know, and then they just pursue those kind of things. Um, now, again, to be clear that, that, that the flesh doesn't dominate every aspect of their life or there would be no evidence that they were born again. But... But I tell you, you know, it's like, it's like living on the edge. Uh, Romans chapter 7 speaks a lot about this. You, you know, it, this is really addressed in Romans chapter 7 as well, very clearly. And when we get to Romans chapter 7 again, um, you, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see this. But, but what I think is important and in the, in the, the warning in your face is really found in chapter 8 of Romans. And it says this. Uh, for, the, for, uh, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is at enmity or against God, is at war with God, okay, enmity. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, if that isn't the one that kind of, you know, for, for, for those living in that carnality or that worldliness, and yet, you know, have a connection to the Lord because they received Jesus as their Savior, but it hasn't had, you know, a much of an impact on their life. I mean, it's, there, there's, this verse is 
full of warnings. You know, there's no peace. Uh, you're working against God in your life. That ought to say something right. You're working against God. Is anything going to work out? Everything's going to be miserable. I mean, I think we've all been there and all have done that, you know, and maybe are still in it where you know the Lord's speaking to you and, you know, you're, you're either not listening and, and, and that it's just miserable. <laughs> he makes it miserable because you're, you're working against his will and his plan. And it's just there's not this peace. It's just this misery and it's just not good. And, um, you know, uh, there's just no pleasing God and there's just no, no peace found there. And so, you know, a person that lives in this kind of way, and again, I think we've all done that and we've all been there and we've all made decisions that we thought were, you know, whatever, and we're doing it for whatever reason. And then, you know, but we, okay, okay, okay. And then what happens is it's miserable. <laughs> and the people that, and the more you do that, the more miserable life is. It really is. And so again, uh, it's a slippery slope and a tough place to live. And what Paul says here is that, you know, uh, in verse 2, if you're living that way, you can't grow. Notice he said in verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. So the other thing that happens is not only is there not this peace that, that comes and you're working against God, but it's like you're a, a baby on milk. And, and you can only take so much. There's only so much of God's truth and God's word that uh, you allow into your life. And so it's, uh, it's like having a baby, uh, you know, feeding it milk. It can only eat certain things. Now, um, you know, my, kid, my kids, <laughs> I've always loved baby food for some reason. And even as they get older, in their teenage years, I know Rachel used to love peaches. Uh, Anastasia likes mango. Uh, they just they would just eat that kind of stuff for just for a snack, which I think is a great idea because it's just pureed you know vegetables or fruit in this case. Um, but they they just just they still love it, and I think that's it's a great thing. And uh, even later on in life, they still they still love it. But um, again, you, you know, you're down the baby food aisle and you see all these little pureed things, and there's only so many things and. You know, you have to have soft foods or they'll choke and they can't, you know, have this and that. You have this whole grocery store, you know, uh, huge with aisles of food and all kinds of different things and steaks in the back and chickens and turkeys and, you know, rice over here and beans and potatoes and vegetables and salad and all kinds of stuff. You got a huge grocery store full of all kinds of different foods, not counting the cookies and the, you know, ice cream sandwiches and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then you have, you know, that much, half an aisle or whatever, a baby food uh, on one side because they can only have so much. They can't enjoy all the rest of it. They're just not able to, to digest it or have it because they're, they're just, if you will, very uh, physically immature, uh, obviously, right? But this is the picture that Paul is leaving, uh, is giving to us here uh, about um, uh, these Christians who are living this way. They can't have uh, solid food. 
Now again, babies are cute and wonderful and when you give them their first little bites of food and you give those plastic spoons with a little curve on them and they're sitting in their high chair and you have to put a bib on them and plastic all over the floor because half the time they're spitting it or if they don't like it, they'll hit it or they'll just do it because they're excited or you know, if they don't like it, they spit it out right away. I, you, know, you know that as, as parents, right? You see all that. And, and that's cute and fun and you love it and it's kind of a fun time. But it would be tragedy if you were doing that 10 years later. Uh, it, if you had to feed them, spoon feed them 10 years later, it would be probably one of the most heartbreaking thing for any parent. And, but this is the comparison that we have spiritually. These guys are, are older now, maybe not 10 years into the Lord. I, I don't know at this point. I could probably think about it and give you a, a, a number. But let's say they are 10 years for argument's sake. And they're still that way. And Paul's saying, it's tragic. It's heartbreaking. I can't move on to give you the rest of the grocery store that you might enjoy some prime rib. Rare, cook three minutes on one side and about a minute on the other, right? <laughs> you still got the moo in it. Oh, man. Right? It's, uh, uh, you know, it's, um, you, you can't enjoy that. You, you can't enjoy all that the Lord has for you because um, you, you can't take that solid food. Um, and it's, it, you know, your mind is too into and your heart is too attuned to the things of this world rather than things that are spiritual, things of the Lord. And, and, and quite frankly, what really happens, probably more practically speaking, is, um, you know, the solid food that's being given, in other words, you know, the Word of God going out, uh, the important things of God, the deep things, the serious things, the uh, maturing things of the Word of God, um, for some people, they just seem boring. Uh, it's too hard to get. It's not exciting enough for me. It's dull. And that's because their spiritual taste buds are just conditioned, quite frankly, um, for junk food. Or, you know, in, in this case, as a, as a believer, right? They're, they just junk food. That's all they have a taste for. They've developed this taste, uh, you know, uh, or, or baby food, I guess, to continue with my analogy. But I think more, more probably appropriately for our day and age is that just um, they, don't, they don't have a taste for it. Hearing somebody talk about chapters in the Bible just seems to be like, oh, I can't think of something more dull or boring or you know, to put me to sleep faster than this. And, you know, if a person has that heart, now, I'm not saying that presentations and pastors, you know, um, can be dull and this and that, and there's different things. And that's why they, there's different churches and you connect with the person because you can relate and understand, you know, when they, when they talk. But, but the point overall is that, you know, is, is the Word of God and hearing something like this something that you look forward to, something that you get something out of. Every time I leave with something, I mean, that's, you have an appetite for the things of God and spiritual things. But again, there's so many people that just want to be entertained and just get a little of this and have a little of that. And uh, that's what they have a taste for. And the question everybody needs to ask themselves is, what do you crave? Uh, you want the meat of the word, or do you want chocolate chip cookies with sprinkles on it, right? And and people will go that way. Well, I don't, don't want to, you know, I, I, 
I kind of like living my life and doing my things, and I know God's there, and I know Jesus, and I know church is kind of important, but you know, I don't want to get too serious about it. I'll just you know, have a donut. I don't want to have a prime rib. You know, I don't really want to get to the meat of the word. And uh, you know, the question is, what do we fill up on? And if you've been around for a while like I have, and I've been to many different churches over the years, and quite frankly, I love to go to different churches over the years. Boy, and I've been at churches where, you know, there was a lot of energy, but nothing happened. I mean, I, I came away with there thinking, okay, great, we sang and worshiped God. Okay, that was great, and this and that, and the preacher was very loud and flamboyant, but I don't think we opened a Bible. I don't think we talked about more than one Bible verse, and I think it was mostly stories or illustrations or funny things or, you know, um, and I, you know, okay, that's not why I'm here. It's not what I want, and, you know, what do we fill ourselves up on? Uh, what do we fill ourselves up on spiritually? Uh, some of us just have this appetite, you know, we've never moved past the baby food, and that's all we want. It's be spoon-fed that little thing and, you know, have the sweet peaches or, you know, eat the sweet fruit or, or junk food, if you would, and then we never get past that. And for those like that, that are in the Corinthian church here, and in the church today, over at large, he's, Paul gets into the specifics here. The end of verse 3 is saying, For where there, are, where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, I am of Paul, another says, I am of Paulus. Are you not carnal? So he goes back to what we talked about in the first chapter here, and he gives him an illustration of talking about how the church there in Corinth is being carnal, is, is because what do you guys have going on in the church? In, in the church there, now remember in those days, Corinth would have one church. All the Christians would meet in one place. There wouldn't be that many. Eventually, you know, the churches grew. But typically, each city that had a church would have a church. And, and so they were all gathered there together, and I'm not saying that's what God has for us today. I don't think so. I think He gives us different churches, and so we can connect, that we can you know, feel at home and grow and, and you know, serve and be a part of the body where the Lord's connected us. But back then they were there, but there were all these divisions and strife and envy. And if you would, that's the fruit of carnality, strife, envy, and divisions. And again, um, that's what was going on here in the church. And Paul says, when I see that, you guys are just like babies. I, I can't move on to deeper things of the Lord. Uh, you just won't get them. You won't receive them. It's just not something you even have an appetite for because you guys are still you know, playing with uh, you know, building blocks on the floor. I mean, there's um, uh, you know, huge things that you can have and do, but you're in the kitchen, you know, banging the pot lids together, right? You're just like a little little baby, you know. Uh, I think every parent had a cabinet where they allowed, allowed the little toddlers to go into. Usually it's like the Tupperware, <laughs> you know, where they could take everything out and drop it and they can't break anything or hurt themselves. And, you know, we always had a cabinet that had just the Tupperware in and, you know, you wouldn't put a lock on that one. All the other ones, you'd have the little locks. They wouldn't take everything out and hurt themselves. But, you know, you're interested in playing in the Tupperware drawer, playing with blocks on the floor when there's 
greater things out there in Christ that you could be learning and growing in and you're just interested in I'm of this person and you're arguing about that and you get mad at that person, you're envious of that person, you, you know, there's all that going on. There's all that divisions. And um, again, I think you know when there's a carnal church is when all this factions and all there's fighting within this congregation. If there's always fighting and striving and, and this and that, you, you just know good things aren't really going on in a place like that. Um, and sadly, it... You know, there's still these factions that you can find in churches today, even what I would consider to be good churches. But then, you know, you have these people that, you know, want to see this happen and this happen and that happen. You got to do it my way. And no, you got to do it my way. No, this is the way it should be doing. Oh, this is the way we've always done it. And, and then you end up just in that whole thing and nothing gets accomplished. And, you know, you just become, you know, like Paul said, more like just like regular people. You're, you're just you're still playing with building blocks on the ground. And he explains in verse 5, he says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants... And he who waters are one, for each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. So again, um, he tells us here, reminds us, is the people are nothing. Um, and he's reminding everybody that we put our faith in God and not in people, obviously, and primarily, and that each person has a calling uh, in the service of the Lord. But remember that whatever yours is, whatever theirs was in this case, and he's using a little something more specific, but just to broaden it out for our application, whatever your calling is doesn't mean it's any less spiritual or anything less important but, uh, than anybody else. Because it's, uh, it's not about the instrument, it's all about the Lord. And so every part is needed. That's why, you know, when we get into this and we're, we talk about the church of Jesus being a body, there are, because there are many parts. You know, uh, the mouth is a big part of our body because, <laughs> right, it's what gets attention, it's what's heard. But there are organs uh, behind the rib cage that are essential for life. Um, Ethan and I were watching uh, Mickey Mouse, what, Mickey Mouse cartoons, what were they called? Shorts, oh, Mickey Mouse shorts. <laughs> we love them. They're just, they're kind of a crack up to write. And Mickey, in this one cartoon, he, he is, he's nervous and his heart's going thump, 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 thump. And they said, he looks down at his heart and he says, stop it. So the, you know, they show the picture of his heart, just stop pumping and leaning on something. <laughs> Mickey's, they show Mickey on the outside. Start bumping, you know, and then the heart starts bumping again. It was kind of funny. I guess maybe you had to see it, but but you know that that you don't see the heart, but it's it's so essential. And there's so many parts internally. As the older we get, we find out, oh, that part's not working, or that's not doing what it should be doing, or something that we don't even know that's there that we've never seen or felt before, and, and then it's not working, and then you know it affects the whole body, and and that's just so true with the church. It, every job is important from the most menial 
task that we would say that nobody sees is, is essential and important. We all have a calling, and it, it doesn't matter. What, what Paul's saying is that you know we all get rewarded on based on, uh, based on how faithful we are to the calling that's given to us, whether it's praying for people, whether it's making you know, a, a meal for a sick person, whether it's visiting somebody in the hospital, whether it's cleaning up the church, whether it's you know, doing this or doing that or whatever. And, and, and let's, let's face it, you know, I don't know, I'll throw a wild number out there, 75, 80%, maybe even higher, maybe I'm lowballing that, of the service and the work of the body is, goes unseen by most people, maybe closer to 90% probably, and, and the, those are so important, and they're going to be rewarded for how faithful they are to doing those things. And, you know, you see, oh, the person's people that are leading worship and maybe some pastors and the person behind the pulpit, certainly. And, and you think that's more important and more this and that and whatever. It, it, it has a role and it is important, but it's not any less important than, than all the other parts of the body. Again, you, you, know, you miss your, your liver and you're done for, right? Nobody sees your liver, but no liver? Goodbye, body, right? And you get the idea here. And that, that's what he's saying here. Um, you know, in this case, uh, he's talking about the church and he's talking about the people that they're arguing over. This person's better than all this carnal stuff and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, listen, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it, but it was God that caused everything to grow and it's his increase. Again, um, you know, it's important that we see, um, that we grow and uh, we're faithful to the calling that we're given and the work that you might be called to may not look spectacular or what you think, uh, you know, uh, what will get me ahead and will make me more prominent in the church. Uh, you know, we shouldn't have that thinking ever. Uh, I, I, I'll be recognized more. It's more about being faithful, Lord, to the calling. And if you choose to open up this door, then, then I'll walk through this door. But it's not that I, you know, I'm trying to get ahead and get recognized more. It's, it's just to be faithful in what we're doing. You know, Paul uh, watered. One of the most frustrating things as a believer, as a Christian, is when we share the gospel. I'm sorry, see, pointing out the seed. Paul said, I, I, I planted the seed. I threw out the seed. And that, that's one of the more frustrating things uh, of, of, you know, serving in the, in the body of Christ. Because you throw out these seeds and you get these reactions. People are just making fun of you. Some people will argue their teeth out. Other people ignore you. You know, you get all sorts of reactions and, and you don't see anything because you're just sharing the gospel, you know, whether it's in words or how you're acting or, you know, opportunities you get. You, you throw out the seed and you really don't ever really see much. And it's kind of a, a difficult place to, to, to be. It's a difficult calling. But without that, would any of us be here? You know, somebody threw out some gospel seeds to us and probably for most of us, many people, you know, uh, at least a handful, certainly, you know, before we finally, you know, received it. And, and then, you know, somebody poured into our lives and watered that seed to, to, to cause it to grow. But throwing out the seed's difficult. I, I've told this story a number of times, but I always think it's a, a great story to illustrate this. There was a, you know, in 
back 100 years, there was a missionary couple coming back to New York City after years of faithful service in Africa. They were, you know, faithful missionaries for a year, and it so happened that on the same ship coming back to New York was uh, this very important and famous diplomat who got special treatment and special attention, and when the ship arrived, you know, this older couple looked back and watched from the deck why a band played and there was people there waiting to greet them and they're waving to them and they're giving them great applause and, you know, all this hoopla and the diplomat comes down, gets into this, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, limo kind of car and, you know, is kind of whisked away and amongst bands and people clapping and waving and all sorts of stuff and, and this older missionary couple that puts his arm around his wife and as they walked out of the ship and walked into the city of New York and you know the old missionary said to his wife honey it just doesn't seem right after all these years of serving faithfully you think we would have some kind of special treatment uh, when we get back like that fellow did and and uh, she put her arm around her husband and looked at him and said honey just remember, we're not home yet. And, you know, I always think that's an important story is because, you know, you, 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 you kind of want the recognition. You, you want, you know, the seed to uh, bear fruit right as you're planting it. And sometimes that, that does happen as you're sowing it. But so much of the time, it, it doesn't. And, you know, Paul was sharing the gospel to, to so many in Corinth and and. Yes, some of them received, but a lot of them didn't. And then Apollos came along and, you know, encouraged the, the, the new believers and, and watered them and they were growing and all this kind of stuff. Um, and again, you, you, you want to be the person that picks the strawberries. You don't want to be the person here in our fields around us that plants the strawberries or gets the soil ready and, you know, puts the small, in our case, they put little little plants in, but, you know, putting that in, and then they put it in, in, you know, October, uh, November-ish, sometimes, depending on the rains, right, December, and they put the plants in, so when March rolls around, or whenever we start getting warmer weather during the day, you know, the plant's already in there, and it's ready to grow, and then, you know, weeks and month after that, they're, they're picking strawberries off them. Well, we like to be the person, you know, in the church that, you know, oh, sees this and picks this strawberry and does, you know, and, and sees the green people coming to the Lord and people this and that, and, you know, and it's all great and wonderful. But we have to remember how much labor was put into the ground, you know, this patch of dirt to get it ready for the strawberries to be picked. There was a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of time, and a lot of energy put into that. So that the strawberries can be picked. And so if you use that analogy is, it's like, you know, us in the church, you know, we, we, you know, sometimes we don't see much out of what we're called to do, but in the end, you know, as Paul said, each one is going to receive his own reward as verse eight says, according to his own labor. So just remember that, you know, and don't get frustrated that, you know, you share this gospel with people and they're not responding or you're doing this for the Lord. You know, the Lord's calling you to do this, but it doesn't seem to get much attention. It doesn't seem to have much of an impact, yet we just need to be faithful to it and, you know, um, and, and faithful to do that. And that's what he's saying here that, you know, and, and that people should never get any special attention out of that. 
Um, you know, they, people like to look up on maybe pastors or evangelists, you know, when they're picking the strawberries or getting the fruit, um, you know, uh, and, and it just seems like they're so wonderful and wow, look at them, look at all this. And, and you realize the work and effort behind all that that led to that one point, that that's where the point where the harvest was, and that's great and wonderful, and it should be, and we should all rejoice in that and, and rejoice in, in those things. And again, um, remember that we need to continue to be faithful in doing that. Uh, and again, these, these guys were acting carnal, they're getting all this kind of stuff, getting involved, and who's watering, who's planting, who's doing this, who's doing that. You missed the point. It's all about Him, and we all point to Him. We all serve Him, and that's what's important, and, and we never put our eyes on, on a person or a denomination or anything like that, um, uh, and realize that we all have a calling and sometimes it's not glamorous but we're faithful to it and then we, re we receive our reward based on our labor not based on how many seeds germinated into strawberries right so we keep that important mature view on things now in verse 10 he said according to the grace god which has given me as a wise master builder i have laid the foundation and another builds on it but let each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So again, we're all workers, and we just belong to the Lord, and we're His creation, His property. And, uh, you know, I, so I laid the foundation, Paul said, when I, I came to Corinth, I laid this foundation, this message of salvation. Then you learn and you grow but be careful how you build your spiritual life. Again, it's going back to what he's saying here is that you guys were building your spiritual life on personality, a cult of personality. You like this person, you don't like this person, then you think you're more spiritual because you do this and those people don't do that. And trust me, it happens today. It happens all the time, sadly. And you can, you know, you can tell a, a person who is kind of, you know, more uh, spiritually immature and more spiritually, you know, uh, well, more spiritually immature, let's face it, because they, oh, I don't do this. Oh, you do that? No, I don't do that. You know, they look down at you. Oh, you, you, uh, you, you do that? You say that? You, you go, oh, no, no, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be saying, you know, that. <laughs> you could tell automatically, kind of immature spiritually and carnal, they want to lift up Oh, I go to church on Saturday. Oh, you go to church on Sunday. <laughs> you know. Oh, and you, you know, you can go to, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things. I can go down the list. You know, you, you, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you celebrate Christmas. Oh, that's just a carnal thing. You know, blah blah blah. And you know, this is what we should do. And oh, you guys don't, you know, have this special music in church. And blah blah blah. Or you guys don't do this. Or you don't have this ministry. You know, and they get all this kind of thinking in their mind. And they're thinking that, you know, uh, again, they're somehow better, they're more spiritual, but the reality of it is that they're immature and they're just looking at themselves and they're looking at what they are and what they've done and, and all that. Paul says, let's not do that. You, you, you got to build on the foundation of Christ and not what you think is mature and what you think is important and, and all this kind of stuff. It, 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 you know, you, you start having those things and you're building... Uh, on top of the foundation of Jesus Christ, a building that just won't stand. 
And again, that's why it's so important that we desire and eat spiritual food and not junk food. Because if we do, if we go to Christianity light and, you know, oh, I just want a little bit. I just want to feel good after I go to church on Sunday. I, I want to have a positive message. I, I don't want it to go too long. I don't want the pastor to start really talking about serious things, you know. Uh, I just want enough. You know, the, the building is going to be lousy. Yes, you have Christ as the foundation, but he's saying, what, what are you building it on? These guys were building it on all kinds of thinking of the cult of personality and striving and envy. The building wasn't good. And so, you know, the spiritual food we take in it, it determines what, how the building or our life is in Christ. It, here's a, a picture, and I'll let you look at it for a second because it's kind of hilarious. And for work, I have seen crazy stuff. Now, some of this is crazier than I've ever seen. But, of course, you know, you can see the stairway that goes to nowhere, you know, uh, uh, building a wall in front of an electrical outlet that you can't use. I, I love the demolition uh, on top of the building of a high-rise. <laughs> I mean, it's like feet from what, I don't know how many stories that is. You know, obviously, they cut the door to fit around the toilet. You know, you, you can see horrible building practices here, right? You can see stuff that they put it together and it didn't work, right? I don't know, well, you can see it, but Tana, you get a big laugh at that, out of that. Um, you know, it's just... It, it, it just, you know, they built it, it wasn't built right, and so they just kind of make this work, and they think everything is going to be okay. And, you know, that's, that's what a Christian should never do. Well, you know, I can't open the door because the toilet's blocking it, so I'm just going to cut away the door, right? <laughs> or, you know, uh, oh yeah, how do I make the transition for the stairs going up? Oh, well, they'll just figure it out and climb around it or something, right? And that's the way people can be... Um, you know, in their spiritual life. Yes, Jesus Christ is the foundation of the salvation, but I've just been, you know, not mature, eating spiritual junk food or baby food, and, and the building is, is, well, very lousy, to say the least. Um, again, uh, here's a more scriptural picture of good and poor building material. Verse 12 says this, Now, if anyone builds... On this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, don't misunderstand this, but this is a very serious picture here. Paul says, how you build your spiritual life, if you would, um, and what you build it on is going to be tested one day when you go to heaven. Now, don't get the idea when it says gold, silver, and precious stones, you're thinking of Hearst Castle or, or yeah, my house needs to look like this or something like this. My spiritual house needs to be ordained with all the kind of thing. Don't, don't misunderstand. That's not what he's talking about. Um, what, what he's talking about is that what are you using? If it's worldly thoughts, if it's just the way you want to do things, if it's spiritual junk food or, or baby food, and, and you're building on that, you know, one day we're going to stand before the Lord and it's going to be tested to see what it is. It, it, it's, you know, our house will be tested one day. Uh, building things, are we building with things that are lasting, eternal, or things that will burn away and are carnal. What, what are we building with? Obviously, 
gold will last through fire, silver will, special precious stones, but when you put wood or hay or straw to any kind of fire, well, it catches fire and is burned up, right? You, you see the picture here. It's not that one's precious stones. Don't misunderstand that. It's one is lasting or eternal. Of course, gold buried in the ground will last forever. You bury wood in the ground, it's going to rot away, right? Hay, straw, all that kind of stuff will just rot away. That's the idea here. And it will burn away one day when we stand before Christ. Every, each person... Each believer will stand before Jesus Christ and our house or our life really will be tested. You know, I, I, again, with work, I, I see it and, and just, just so many people that fear, you know, when the building inspector is going to come or when I show up on a job site or this or that, you know, because they're, they're worried about their work being inspected. We're worried about, you know, oh, what am I, how am I doing this? How, how, how is this being built? How is this being put together? Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it halfway done? And people don't like to see that. They want to just kind of do things their own way. And so when you show up and you say, well, this is not the way it's supposed to be. You can't do it this way. And, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, again, people don't like to hear that. And, again, the, the, the carnal Christian think spiritual life is kind of sort of foolish. And, you know, they want to be take the more sure bet, so they do things, you know, the way of the world. They kind of have this mantra of, you know, God helps those who help themselves, which is completely unscriptural, <laughs> completely contrary, uh, you know, but they, but they like that. The carnal Christian, you know, doesn't want to dig in, dive into the spiritual things. They just want to, well, I, you know, this is the way I see things, and this is a more sure bet, and this is the way I've learned, this is my experience, or this is the hopes and dreams I want to do, and so I'm kind of pursuing that, and I'm doing that. And by the way, if anybody says anything, they say, well, God helps them who helps themselves, and so that all of a sudden gets them a get-out-of-jail-free card or something. Um, and, and that's why, uh, again, we need meat, uh, uh, we need to grow from milk to meat, right? We need to go on to deeper spiritual truths and deeper walks with the Lord. We need to do that. Uh, and it's important that we grow in that. We need to have that. We need to grow with those things. We need to mature in those things. We can't just say, I've, I've, I've reached enough and I want this and I have this and that's good enough and everything, then I'm happy with that, and don't leave me, because I kind of have my own plans, and yes, God has a little bit there once in a while, but I'm not, you know, that's, that's good enough. But we have to realize the house, our Christian life, is going to be tested one day. And it's going to be exposed to, tested with fire, and then verse 14 says, if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. Or if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. Now, fire, understand this and let us be clear, purifies, uh, does not purify the worker, it purifies or it tests the workmanship, right? And I, I'll, I'll say this because, um, you know, our, our Catholic brothers and sisters have this doctrine of purgatory, which is not found in Scripture, and one of the verses that they use to teach that um, is they use this verse. Um, the idea that you die, you go to a place where you're purified by fire before you go to heaven. 
And again, this runs uh, contrary to what Scripture teaches here. This is testing the workmanship, testing the building, not the worker. We, we don't go through any kind of judgment or testing. You know, either we're, we're home with, uh, in this body or we're home uh, with the Lord, as Philippian tells us, and so many other verses. But I, I just want to point that out because, again, each one of us, uh, and the point here and the picture here is each one of us will stand and receive what we've done in his body before Jesus one day. Paul will talk about that in, in, when he gets to the book of 2 Corinthians, but I will give us a sneak preview. 2 Corinthians 5.10 said, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive that is due him for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. So again, as we're told, as we understand, you know, the things that are lasting, uh, the things that are refined and purified will be rewarded with, and all the other stuff, all the stuff that we built with wood and hay and stubble and all that kind of stuff, all those crazy building things that, you know, are, are just going to melt away in His presence. And so it's important that we understand now, you know, guys, this, that we just, we, we want to grow and mature. We want to have a deeper hunger for the Word. We want to grow in our knowledge of the Word. We want to enjoy all the food the grocery store has to offer. We don't want to stay in the baby food aisle and, and eat this junk food, and, and, and therefore our spiritual house is just going to be envy and strife. We're going to be working against God. It's, it's, it's going to be miserable. There's not going to be that peace, and we're kind of just adding on to it and building it, and, and you know, we get on this junk food diet. You know, I, I don't always like to ra rail on somebody, but, you know, the junk food diet... I was just looking at this. You know, live your best life now. Become a better you. You can, you will. You are stronger than you think. I mean, if it's, it's junk food. It's, you know, eating Mars candy bars. It's eating, you know, Gerber baby food. You know, you have a steady diet of stuff like that, and it sounds good, and it tickles the ears, and, it, you know, it gives, makes you work up and feel good and all this kind of stuff. And But... But one day when you stand before Jesus, that whole entire spiritual house of health house that you've built, your life, is just going to be nothing but it's going to be consumed on that day. And we always used to joke about, you know, uh, you know, yeah, you walk into heaven, but you know, you're going to walk by people and they're going to, man, you smell a smoke, <laughs> you know, right? Because everything's kind of been burned up. Because, you know, there's people that want to leave you feeling good. And, and they have large crowds and they're popular and these, you know, they're TV preachers that give you a steady diet of that. But they're building your life on principles of wisdom and of this world, their ideas, their ways. And, and, and then, you know, people just, they, they, they go to that. They're, they're attracted to that because it just doesn't, go anything deep. It's just like eating cake and candy bars and junk food. It tastes good. It's great, you know, and I get something out of it. And, and, and then their, their life, though their spiritual life, is very hollow and empty. And, um, you know, it becomes down to you dies with the most toys win. Or we can be those that are diving deeper or drawing closer and living for eternity. And then we arrive home with great reward and great welcome. That's, that's the design of our Lord. That's what He wants. That's what He wants to, 
Uh, that's what he's telling us here this morning, that we are faithful in building the house. We build it with the materials. We grow and mature. We enjoy the blessings of being at peace and not working against the plan of God in our lives. And yes, some of the things he's called us to don't seem like they give us much reward or much recognition, but we're faithful in those things. And in the end, you know, God's going to bless us as much, if not maybe more than the person that, you know, we think is the pinnacle of Christianity, you know, Um, because it's not based on how we look. It's based on faithfulness to what we're called to do. And uh, we always want to dive deeper and draw closer and grow and mature and enjoy the, the, the deepness that the Lord has for us in this life and then, of course, the life to come. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time, Lord, and all that you've uh, revealed and, and showed us this morning, Lord. And it's, it's easy to get caught up into living, you know, okay, I'm a Christian, but I can still live my life however I feel or think or any moment, this or that, using our own wisdom. And um, Father, you just tell us it just it's just not going to go well. It, it's not something that we want to build our lives around. And it will be a miserable life trying to, you know, have some understanding of you, but, you know, the majority of our life is kind of dangling out there in the world. There's just no peace there because we're working against you. And Father, you want us to build this great house, and you want us to um, uh, focus on the eternal and the important things, and help us to do that, Lord. I know you'll give, it, you give us your Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to do that, and uh, you don't want us on the junk food diet or the baby food diet. You, you want us on the deep uh, and, and growing and abiding spiritual truths uh, that you have for us. And so, Lord, even though it's not comfortable at times and we squirm in our seat a little bit when it's really striking a nerve, but that just shows who we belong to and shows us how much you love us and how much you want us to be drawn close to you and experience all that you have for us, not only in this life, but in eternity, Lord. So thank you for those blessings, Lord. And again, give us an open heart to receive, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.